please turn your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through 21 this evening. And this is our last sermon that I'm doing. I started this series at the beginning of last year, so a year and a half, to go through one chapter in, in Romans chapter 12. And after this, my plan is to preach on the Proverbs. So we're going to go into the Old Testament. I'm going to look at Proverbs. And Proverbs actually fits very nicely with this uh, setting for our evening services, where I can preach on a single verse or perhaps a small passage. And it helps me to keep these sermons to about 15 minutes or 20 minutes range. And each sermon will then be self-contained going through Proverbs. It, it makes it a lot easier going in this setting than going through it in the morning where it's difficult because Proverbs is not really sequential. Each one of them is, is, uh, is, is kind of its, its own. Well, tonight we're, we're finishing up uh, Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read through the entire uh, chapter, as if we didn't have enough scripture reading uh, this evening. I'm going to read through this entire chapter, mainly to give us context, but also this is really a good chapter, but we're going to be focusing on this last section of verses 17 through 21. So Romans chapter 12, hear now the word of the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophesy, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now here's the section we'll be focusing on this evening. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. Lord, we do ask for your spirit to be with us this evening. Help me to rightfully handle this word. And Father, I pray that we each will be changed. Each of us will be blessed. 
Each of us will be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we do pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this last section that we're looking at this evening, this puts the whole chapter into practice. And this is really where the, where the rubber meets the road. The whole chapter, I think, is, is immensely practical. But here is where I think it's the most difficult to put into practice. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Well, this is not natural. Do, we, do you know what natural is? Natural says, I won't start the fight, but I'll finish the fight. Natural's John Wayne. You know John Wayne. He's a good guy. He's the tough guy. He's kind. He's, he's respectful to others. But when someone steps out of line, what's he do? He takes him out. His last movie, The Shootist, John Wayne played a character, John Bernard Books. Here's a description of him. He said he lived his life and herded by himself. He had a credo that went, John Bernard Books, I won't be wronged, I won't be insulted, and I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people, and I require the same from them. This is natural. But as Christians, we are not natural. We are supernatural. We are regenerated. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in a way that is completely contrary to our natural disposition. So we are to repay no one evil for evil. But rather, we are to give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And what this means is it doesn't matter if the people that you're dealing with, whether they are honorable, <clears throat> we are to be honorable. We're not to sink to the level of our adversary. And this is very difficult. It's very tempting for us to fight fire with fire. It's tempting for us to imitate our opponent. But if we're a Christian, this is not an option for us. We are not to give in to this temptation. There's an old saying, never wrestle with a pig, because you both get dirty and the pig likes it. When I was a kid, I would frequently react poorly when I was treated badly. My dad would always say to me, he says, you go from being right to being wrong. And this is what happens every time we react this way. But as Christians, as Christians, it's even more important that we take the high road, even when someone around us doesn't. Because as soon as we slip, as soon as we, we lose our cool and act like everyone else, then that's when they say, I thought you were a Christian. I expected more from you. See, what happens is we lose our saltiness. We lose our witness. And worst of all, we dishonor our God. As Christians, we are to live peaceably with all. Look at verse 18. It says, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This means we are to try to live at peace with all. We're not to be offensive. We are not to be harsh. We are to show charity and goodwill toward all. But notice that this verse says, as far as it depends on you. So the cold facts are that there are many who do not want to live at peace with us. There are those that are so offended by our faith, so offended by us holding to Scripture and rejecting the values of this world that they will hate us regardless of, of how loving, regardless of how honorable we act. Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, 
So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, we'll not be hated for doing good by the world's standards. If we affirm what the world values and its priorities, we'll be popular. We will be loved. But if we seek to be righteous, if we seek to be like Jesus, we will be hated. We will be treated just like Jesus was treated. And when we're treated with evil, when our love and our concern are met with with anger and hostility, when our attempts to, to live at peace are violently rejected, we will be tempted. I know I am tempted to react like John Wayne. We'll be tempted to set things right. We'll be tempted to avenge ourselves, to vindicate ourselves. And we'll be desperately want to be proven right. The temptation is for us to, to take things into our own hands and to force the issue. But verse 19 is clear. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. We're not to seek to right the wrongs ourselves. We're not to seek to get revenge for an offense. See, the natural man lives by this, this phrase, don't get mad, get even. That's not us. We cannot act this way. Now, this doesn't mean that justice won't be done. This doesn't mean that our adversary will continue to abuse us. What it means is that we are not the ones to avenge ourselves. We do not have the wisdom. We do not have the knowledge. And we don't have the righteousness to act justly. When we avenge ourselves, we often, often make a mistake. And then we go from being right to being wrong. When we do this, we wind up wrestling with pigs. But there is one who is perfectly wise and perfectly knowledgeable and perfectly just and perfectly holy, And as we see in the second part of this verse, we trust him. See, verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If we believe this, if we trust in the plain reading of God's word, if we have faith in the Lord, we can be confident that he will act. We can be confident that he will defend us, that he will avenge us. So why should we trust our puny efforts when the sovereign king of the universe has promised to be our avenger? He will act, and he will act with perfect justice, perfect righteousness, and perfect holiness. And if we truly believe this, it will be easy for us to obey these commands. We don't need to defend ourselves because we know that God himself will defend us. So what are we to do? Well, we're given the answer in the next verse. In verse 20, it says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. say, what? That doesn't make any sense. This is not natural. Help my enemy. Feed my enemy. This, again, is not natural. That's right. It's not natural. It is supernatural. And this is the way that the godly react. King David twice spared his enemy, King Saul, when he could have easily killed him. But David would not act against the Lord's anointed. He waited for the Lord to avenge him. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, he didn't curse those who were killing him, but he prayed for them. He prayed that they would be forgiven, just as Jesus himself forgave those who mocked him and put him to death. Jesus even healed the eel, the, the, the ear of one of the soldiers who was in the process of arresting him. But look at the next part of this verse. It 
says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So what does this mean? Does this negate the, the sincerity of, of feeding uh, the hungry or your hungry enemy or giving him something to drink? Are we only being nice with the intention that our, that our kindness will bring greater judgment on the enemy? No. Our, our intentions are sincere. We really want to help our enemy. This kindness can lead to, to one of two possible outcomes from the, en- from the enemy. And both of these are represented by this phrase, heap burning coals on his head. See, the first outcome, and the one that's preferable, and the one for which we should pray for, is that our kindness would open our enemy's eyes to his sin and bring him to repentance and reconciliation. In this case, the burning coals are the, are the ashes that represent true and genuine repentance. Think of the, the phrase, the person sitting in ashes and sackcloth. And this repentance then will bring reconciliation. And this is where our enemy can actually become our brother. And this is the first and the preferable outcome. But the other possible outcome is that our enemy remains impenitent. And these coals then represent the just and proper punishment for our enemy's treachery. And this punishment will be that much more if that person rejects the kindness that's shown. And this punishment doesn't come from our hand, but it comes from the Lord himself. He will sovereignly ordain the circumstances that will bring down his justice on our enemy. And the last verse of this chapter, verse 21, I think summarizes this, this section and the Christian response to, to adversity. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, our real enemy is not other people. It's not the people who oppose us or even persecute us. They're really deceived. They are victims. They are lost. They are headed to hell. And they're being exploited by demonic forces. Those are the ones that hate God and they hate us because we are made in his image. And especially Christians because we are redeemed by Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. And the devil and the demons, they are our enemies. Their human hosts really are our mission field. They are captives of Satan's deception. And we are called not to hate them. We are called to love them. We are called to pray for them. Just as our Savior prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And most of all, we are called to set them free. Set them free through the power of the gospel. And the gospel is really the only means of salvation. And if we abandon them, if we hate them, if we return evil for evil, we're playing right into Satan's hands. We are being overcome by evil. And we will be derelict in our duty to be salt and light to this dying world. So we're not to be overcome by evil, but we are to overcome evil with good. And what is good? Well, good is that which corresponds to God. Jesus said only God is good. We are, imita- we are to imitate God. We are to imitate Christ. We are to react to hatred and abuse as Jesus reacts. We are with love and truth and grace. Let us pray. Father, these are very difficult words for us to internalize because they go contrary to everything that is natural in us. We so much want to to vindicate ourselves. We want to avenge ourselves. And Father, we really, it, it, it betrays the fact that we don't trust you. We don't trust your word. We don't trust that you will vindicate us, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we think that we have to do it. So, Lord, I pray that you will help us each to to 
trust you more, increase our faith so that we will not try to take things into our own hands, but we will wait on you for your timing, even in difficult situations. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.